Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. I am grateful and humbled both to, uh, to be invited, to be entrusted actually with the Sunday morning message at Hillhurst United Church, uh, to be standing in the place of some very gifted communicators. Although I am not Andrea and John, I'm going to be as Doug as I can possibly be this morning, <laughs> trusting that that will be enough. So a little bit about me, uh, Doriel and I came to Hillhurst eight years ago, seems hard to believe, looking for a place where we could be safe and belong. We had been part of a church for a little more than 35 years, the last 12 as the pastor couple in that church but discovered ourselves unwelcome by many when we came out in support of our daughter's same-sex marriage. Try as we might, we found we could no longer feel a sense of safety and belonging there, and so Hillhurst has been an open space for us, and I'm grateful for this faith community. I have a question for you this morning. You probably thought that when John and Andrea aren't here, there'll be no question. Well, good luck with that. So I want you to turn to someone, perhaps even someone that you don't know all that well, and introduce yourself, first and last name, and then tell them two things about yourself that they don't know already. I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to do that, and then I'll call you back. I find it's always a good sign when it's difficult to get people back uh, after those conversations. I'm not sure how that experience was for you. Uh, sometimes I find it hard to answer the question, who am I? Do I talk about my roles or my profession or my interests or my activities? Like, how do you approach that question? So I picked up a book I read a few years ago, and there was one sentence that caught my attention. 
It's uh, the book entitled A New Harmony by John Philip Newell, and this quote stood out to me. Julian of Norwich, the 14th century mystic, says that we are not simply made by God. We are made of God. This simple but radical statement holds enormous implications. It means that we're not fashioned by a distant creator made out of nothing from afar. Rather, we are born of, from the womb of the one, made of the substance of oneness. Holy wisdom is deep within us, deeper than the ignorance of what we have done. So to consider again that I have made from divine DNA gave me pause for thought. It prompted me to ask the question again, who am I? at my core. I was uh, grateful to be invited a few months ago by Janet and Donna to be part of the Spiritual Nurture series on one of, on another of John Philip Newell's books entitled Sacred Earth, Sacred Soul. And at its heart, the book is about the Celtic way of seeing humanity and the earth. Sacred is a word that is not bound by religion. Even the non-religious know what a sacred moment is. The Celtic tradition has long emphasized the sacredness that lies at the heart of the human soul and the sacredness of all things. So let, let me just say that again. The sacredness that lies at the heart of the human soul and the sacredness of all things. How does that make you feel? There is a part of me that shies away from this and a part of me that's drawn in, makes me curious. And I wonder if the search for our sacred identity is what Jesus was referring to in his stories of the treasure and the pearl that Anne read for us this morning. What is this treasure, this pearl? You know, you can look at 10 commentaries on the Bible and there will be 10 different interpretations of what Jesus precisely meant. But I'm kind of wondering if it's not about the right way of interpreting Jesus' words as much as it is about being curious about the metaphor Jesus is using. Because like all metaphor, there can be a number of different ways of seeing, a number of different ways of entering in a number of different ways that it makes us curious about what this could mean. So let's explore together a way of seeing this Jesus metaphor this morning. The pearl in Jesus' day was, of all gems, the most unusual and precious. Pliny, a Roman philosopher who lived exactly at the time of Christ, wrote that the pearl held the topmost rank among all things of price. So the merchant was a dealer in pearls. He was always on the lookout for the best ones that he could find. But when he finds this magnificent pearl, he sells everything that he has to buy it. You know, when you think about it, it's a very strange story. There is no comment here about whether what he did was wise or foolish, but what do you do with a pearl and nothing else? You know, I suppose you could set it up on a table in your house and admire it, but 
But wait a minute. He has no table. He has no house. He sold everything he had to buy this pearl. So what do you do with a pearl and nothing else? So what we do know is that in purchasing the pearl, the merchant fulfilled a long-held desire, a longing perhaps that he didn't even know that he had. But when he saw that pearl, something in him just knew. And in buying that one pearl, the merchant stops being a merchant. Like he has nothing left to trade. His identity has changed completely. How would he now answer the question, who am I? Identity is such a big word. A wise person once said, soon after we're born, we all go into somebody training. And we're all asking ourselves the question, am I somebody enough? I didn't do well in um, grade school. You know, I, I kind of wondered as I was putting this together, what are the questions that I have been asking myself throughout my life? And there are so many. But one of the questions that I've always consistently asked is, am I smart enough? Because I didn't do well in grade school. It took me a long time to warm up to this whole business of education. And so I always ask myself, man, am I dumb? Am I smart enough? These are the questions that cause us to inquire into our lives and the questions that cause so much pain. Another question um, that I asked, that I continually ask myself is, am I liked enough? So that's the question that's been the root of my addiction to approval and an unhealthy need for validation and people-pleasing. But you know what? It helps me to get it out in the open and say it. Because it's not just underground doing its terrible, painful work in me. I carry so many other questions, so what are yours? What are the questions that you've always carried inside, the somebody enough questions? These questions and their connected stories expose the wounds of our life. These questions drive us into life and they shape who we become. In the Celtic tradition, it's said that we suffer from soul forgetfulness. In other words, we have forgotten who we are. And as a result, we have fallen out of true relationship with ourselves, with the earth, and with one another. So what if the path to well-being is not about becoming something other than what we are, or about acquiring something that we do not have, or about finding our well-being outside of ourselves through possessions or achievements, or about cultivating and projecting an image which seems to be so much part of social media these days. What if it's awakening to a knowledge that is deep in the very fabric of our being already? What if this is the pearl? What if this is the treasure, our truest identity, the sacredness that lies 
at the very heart of who we are, what we've been seeking all our lives. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Make them to be like us, reflecting our nature, God-like. Everything else that's said about us needs to be read in light of this starting point. This is the who in who we are. It's never been lost. Forgotten? Yes. But never lost. So is Jesus calling us to another way of seeing that we carry something of great worth at the heart of our humanity? Christ in you, the hope of glory, as Paul said. So the image of God is our nature. It's what we come in with. Call it our basic goodness. It's the great treasure, the pearl, but it becomes the source of all our pain because we keep forgetting who we are. Richard Rohr writes, what we seek is what we are, and we've forgotten. So during one of our spiritual nurture evenings, I heard this quote from Pierre Théard de Chardin who said, God is the real who in who am I? It caught my attention. Author Jean Houston met Théard when she was a young girl and wrote that when she was with him, I left my littleness behind. I love that. What if we could leave our littleness behind? To be awakened to this pearl of great price that is in me, that is me. To engage in life with confidence and courage born of an accurate self-view. This is solid ground to stand on. You know, writers through the centuries have attempted to describe what was most deeply true of themselves and of every being, but it's difficult to find words. Catherine of Genoa, upon awakening to this deep reality, used to run through the streets of Genoa, crying, my deepest me is God. I'm not sure how you respond to that statement. Sometimes I shy away. It could be too much. But again, there's something in me that's drawn in. Julian of Norwich says our souls are knitted into God. One more quote. I feel a presence, a reverence humming within me that is difficult to articulate. That's Jane Fonda. She's not usually included among the usual saints, but still trying to find words to describe something that's going on inside of her. And in the playful words of the Sufi poet Rumi, the mystery of spiritual fullness may be living in a pilgrim's heart, and yet the knowing of it may not be theirs. Don't look for it outside yourself. You are the source of milk. Don't milk others. There is a milk fountain inside you. There is a basket of fresh bread on your head, and yet you go door to door asking for crusts. Knock on your inner door. No other. So what if this sacred sense could be our starting place in life? You know, I grew up in a religious culture that taught that in my deepest DNA, I'm the enemy of God, fundamentally flawed. 
sinful. And the goal then is to become someone else, something different, something other. And sermons told me the things that I needed to do each week to become more pleasing to God. And to be frank, I found it exhausting. Celtic spirituality, on the other hand, teaches that at the very heart of every woman and man is the dignity of the divine, our deepest and truest identity. The more we forget our identity, the less we treat ourselves and others as sacred. In the Celtic view, Jesus came as the great remembrance to show us what we've forgotten about ourselves and others. He came to lift the veil so that we could see again who we are, made of God. And the more I become aware of my deepest essence, the more courage and confidence I have to live into the fullness of my humanity each day. You know, one of the many things about Hillhurst I love is that Hillhurst encourages a contemplative spirituality. You know, the word contemplation is off-putting for some people because they imagine sitting cross-legged in dimly lit rooms for hours on end. But really, I define contemplation as simply taking a long, loving look. And who of us hasn't taken a long, loving look, let's say, at a newborn? or at the sun breaking over the Rockies in the early morning, or an exquisite presentation of food. We are all contemplatives in our own way. What would it be like for us to take a long, loving look at our basic sacredness, this pearl of great price that we carry within us, our deepest identity? Or as John Philip Newell says, listening for the beat of the sacred deep in ourselves and one another and deep in the body of the earth. Hillhurst encourages contemplative practices that actually help us listen. It's, I think it's one of the greatest contributions that this community of faith makes in the world. Because these practices bring us home to ourselves. They give us a firm place to stand and we need the encouragement of a safe and nurturing community to come to the fullness of our humanity to call us back to what is true about ourselves, loved, forgiven, and increasingly set free, to be the confident, encouraged, courageous selves in the world. Could this be the gift that church brings? You know, I often doubt exactly what I have been talking about this morning. There is so much in my life that argues against my sacredness. I meet myself at every turn. Just one example, not long ago, uh, I remember feeling the weight of shame resting right here on my chest about a decision that I had made about money. You know, it turned out to be not that serious, but at the time, it seemed huge. So I felt this weight of shame fueled by negative voices in my head and I became aware of a choice. I could go down a rabbit hole telling myself that I'm dumb or not good enough or I could use this moment of shame 
to remind me that deeper than the shame is divine presence. So there was my fork in the road. When I discover an imperfection in myself, I can turn this direction toward self-judgment, or I could turn in this direction and surrender again to the love that is present underneath it all. Contemplation for me became the way that I could move toward what is truest in me deeper than shame. So what if I could befriend my dark emotions like shame and fear, jealousy and anxiety? Because in them I can hear an invitation to come home to my sacred self. Carl Jung once wrote that the worst sin is unconsciousness, to live unaware either of the glory that is within or the shadow that is within is to become prone to falseness. Yes, I know my humanity is filled with imperfection, yet as John said a few weeks ago, the crack is where the light comes in. Can I allow it to come in? I may discover that including my imperfections and in offering myself compassion, my way of being in the world will become less critical, less judgmental and compassionate too. So the discovery of this pearl of great price, this sacred essence that lies at the heart of all beings can transform our view of ourselves, our view of others, and even our view of the whole world as our last song will emphasize. I can't think of anything more practical or transformational. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.